Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for September 25th, 2022, or the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. And in this podcast, we're going back once again for the third time this year to Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 21, and the giving of the Ten Commandments. However, we're looking at it for a different point this time around, and that is to examine and apply the phrase, the law always accuses, or as you often find it in Lutheran writings in Latin, lex semper accusat, the law always accuses. So let's talk about what that means before we look at it within the giving of the Ten Commandments. As the Catechism notes, and as we so often teach, the law has three uses, the curb, the mirror, and the rule. The law acts like a curb in that it curbs evil or discourages evil from happening. So, for instance, you see a speed limit sign that says, speed limit 30. Because you've read the sign, you now know what the law is. You should drive no more than 30 miles per hour. You also know from that sign that there are consequences for breaking the speed limit, namely a speeding ticket, increased insurance rates if you get caught, etc., So, because the law is stated in that sign, it discourages you from breaking it. It's acting like a curb. Now, it can't stop you from breaking it. You can go 35 or 40 or 85 down that street. The law doesn't have power to do what it says. But it does discourage evil by reminding you that there are consequences if you break the law. The second use of the law is that the law acts like a mirror. What you do with the mirror, you look at it, and you see what you look like. We look at the law like a mirror, and it shows us what we look like before God, namely sinful, namely failing to keep his law, unholy. So as we look at the law and see what God requires, we see reflected in that law how much we've broken it. And so the law acts like a mirror to show us our sin. The third use of the law is the rule. And uh, this may be best summarized by saying, um, now as a Christian, how do you know what to do in order to please God? You follow the rules. You follow God's law. So, as a Christian, as you go about your life not killing, not stealing, not committing adultery, as you go about your life honoring your father and mother and other authorities, these are God-pleasing good works for the one who is cleansed by Christ. And so, as a Christian, you, you know what to do. You, you follow the law as the rule. You follow the rules as good works. All right, so the law acts like a curb and a mirror and a rule. It does all three of those, and it does all three of those 
all the time. In other words, you might speak God's law because you have one use in mind, but it's busy doing all three right away. So, for example, let's say that somebody tells you, the Lord commands you in Romans 13 to honor authorities by paying your taxes. That's the law. Now, because the law is a curb, you hear the law pay your taxes and you think, I should pay my taxes or else I might get in trouble if I get caught or if I get audited. That's the law working as a curb. At the same time, you think, I do pay my taxes, but I hate paying my taxes because I don't like how our authorities spend the money that I pay, and so I get angry and bitter about that. And at that point, the law is working like a mirror. It's showing you how unholy you are because you fail to honor authorities. You grow bitter and angry at them rather than praying for them and honoring them. And so you don't like paying your taxes even though God commands you to. Third, the law also works as as a rule so that you say, I shouldn't be angry and bitter because it's pretty easy for me to to do a good work before God by paying my taxes. That's, That's what I as a Christian should be doing. So with any law, those are the three uses at work, and you can't control which use people hear or which way the law works in our hearts. So you can simply say to somebody, you know, it's good to pay your taxes. You mean it as only the law as a rule, and they think inside, oh, but I didn't pay my taxes last year. And so even though you didn't mean the law to act as the mirror, it did anyway. You can't control how the law works. You can only be aware that the law has three uses. Now, the different uses of the law come in handy for different professions. So let's say I'm, I'm in law enforcement. Let's say I am an IRS agent. In that case, if the command is pay your taxes, and my job is law enforcement, making sure that people pay their taxes then my greatest concern about the law is the curb. I don't care if you know that you're unholy before God. I don't care if you think you're doing a Christian good work. As a law enforcement officer, my concern is the curb. I want you to pay your taxes because that's the law. That's what you're supposed to do. And if you don't do it, I'll get you into trouble. On the other hand, if I'm not in law enforcement, let's say that I'm, I'm a Christian therapist. I'm helping people who, who are troubled with how their life is going. I'm helping them um, lead a better life. Then I'm much more concerned about the rule of the law rather than the curb use. I want to help people um, understand how they can have a life that is more rewarding. And so I'll be suggesting them that it's better for them to live by God's law because that is God-pleasing. As a pastor, I'm not most concerned about the curb or about the rule. As a pastor, my primary use of the law is all about the mirror. My job, my calling, is to preach the law of God to show you your sin, to show you how sinful you are before God. 
Why? Because my proper work, the most important thing I do is give people the forgiveness of sins. And who welcomes the forgiveness of sins? Sinners who know that they've broken the law. So, my task as a pastor in regard to the law, and and really the, the task of the church in regard to the law, is first and foremost to proclaim the loss that you see in the reflection of the law in that mirror how much you need the forgiveness of sins. Some churches are really, really big on preaching the law as a curb. They talk an awful lot about what and how we should obey the laws of the land or perhaps disobey the laws of the land. They're very interested in outward obedience in civil reform and civil disobedience and how the church should interact with the authorities of the state. A lot of churches, first and foremost, preach the law as the rule. They take it for granted that everybody at worship already knows all about the forgiveness of sins. And so it's time to move on and talk about how to lead a good and God-pleasing life. So there you won't hear much about sin or forgiveness, but you hear about how you should behave as a Christian using the law as a rule. Again, you've probably noticed at Good Shepherd in the Lutheran Church, we use the law as St. Paul uses the law in Romans 3 and elsewhere. We use the law to show you your sin. Why? Because sinners who know their sinful desire forgiveness. And it's our, our delight and our calling to give sinners the forgiveness that Christ won for them by dying on the cross. So the mirror is the function of the law that the church makes use of the most. And you probably notice that that use of the law accuses people. It shows them their sin. And thus we come back to the motto, the law always accuses, or in Latin, lex semper accusat. And just one more illustration, the law always accuses whether you mean it to be a curb, the mirror, or the rule. So, for instance, if you, uh, if you praise someone, meaning the curb, and say, you're doing a really great job at helping out at church, you mean that as a compliment. You're, you're using the law as a curb and doing a great job. Inside, they're thinking, yeah, but what about the stuff I haven't done? Or what about the stuff that I've done wrong? The law is always accusing, even when you mean it as a compliment. With that, we come to Exodus chapter 20 and the giving of the Ten Commandments. Now, we've talked about before how we don't know exactly what the number of the commandments is. We've talked about how these are the ten words in the Old Testament, not the Ten Commandments. And we've talked about how God introduces the Ten Commandments by saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So the first thing that God says to his people at Mount Sinai is not, you must do this to be my people, but rather, I have already made you my people by delivering you from Egypt. 
And that's important because God isn't saying, you will become my people by your works, but rather saying, I've made you my people, and this is what my people do so so that they don't fall away from me. Likewise, when we hear God command us today in his law, God doesn't say, if you do these things, then you will be my people. He says, for Jesus' sake, I've made you my people, so keep my commandments and repent when you don't, because those who rebel against my law will fall away from me. When God gives the Ten Commandments, these are laws, and the law is always working as a curb, as a mirror, and as a rule. But now, once again, as we go through the commandments today, we're going to look at especially these commandments working as the mirror. We're going to let these commandments accuse us, first and foremost. So to help us with the rest of this podcast, I'm using some material from a a resource that comes with the Lutheran Service Book. It's from a small book called The Pastoral Care Companion. It's what pastors like myself often carry on on visits to hospitals and homebound people and elsewhere. And there's a short section in the back called Preparation for Confession. And for each commandment of the Ten Commandments, this little book has a series of questions to ask and to ponder so that the law might accuse us. And again, it sounds like a total drag to to, uh, go through and, and let the law show us our sin. But those who know their sin are the ones who are eager to be forgiven. So, The commandments from Exodus chapter 20, the first one is in verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. What does this mean according to the small catechism? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So, with that in mind, I pose to you the following questions to ponder. In what or whom do you trust above all else? In what or whom do you trust most for financial security, physical safety, or emotional support? Do you fear God's wrath and thus avoid every sin? Is your love for and trust in God evident in your daily living? Do you expect only good from God in every situation? Or do you worry, doubt, complain, or feel unfairly treated when things go wrong? Do you withhold from God what is rightfully His? Consideration of those questions will likely lead you to conclude that this law accuses that you have broken the first commandment and you're in need of God's grace in Christ. The second commandment from Exodus 20, verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does this mean? 
We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. So with the second commandment and its its small catechism explanation in our minds, I ask you the following questions. Is the Lord's word evident in your daily speech and conduct? Or do you curse, speak carelessly, or misuse God's name? Do you keep all of the vows you have made in the Lord's name, such as confirmation vows, marriage vows, legal vows, etc.? Are you diligent and sincere in your prayers, Or have you been lazy, bored, or distracted? Do you trust that the Lord God will answer your prayers according to his good and gracious will? Meditate upon those questions for a bit, and you will find that this law accuses you and you are in need of Christ's forgiveness. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. With the third commandment and its small catechism explanation in our, in our minds, I now ask you the following questions. Do you despise the word by the neglect or by paying little or no attention when it is read or preached? Do you attend the church's worship faithfully, or do you attend sporadically because you prefer to be elsewhere? Do you pray for your pastor and other church workers and support their efforts in service to the word? Consider these questions, meditate upon them, And you will find that this commandment accuses you too, and you are in need of God's grace. The fourth commandment from Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. What does this mean? We should fear and love God, so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. With the fourth commandment and its explanation in mind, I now ask you the following questions. Do you honor your father and mother and other authorities, such as teachers, employers, supervisors, governmental leaders, and pastors, receiving them as gifts that God has put in authority over you? Have you been angry, stubborn, or disrespectful towards those in authority over you? Do you obey all the laws of the city, state, and country? Do you faithfully represent God the Father in disciplining, caring for, and catechizing your children? Do you exasperate your children, or do you bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord? Are you threatening, abusive, or overbearing to others in your household or workplace?
Meditate upon these questions in the fourth commandment, and you will find that once again the law accuses you and you are in need of the grace of Christ. The fifth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. With the fifth commandment and explanation in mind, I ask you the following questions. Have you unjustly taken the life of anyone, born or unborn? Do you treat your own body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, or do you hurt or harm it by gluttony, chemical addiction, or other abuse? Do you hate anyone, or are you angry with anyone? Do you lose your temper or injure your neighbor by thoughts, words, or deeds? Do you hold grudges or harbor resentments? Do you ignore the plight of the helpless? Or are you callous towards genuine need? Consider these questions in light of the fifth commandment, and you will find that this commandment, this law, also accuses you, and you are in need of God's grace in Christ. The sixth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 14, You shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other. With the sixth commandment and its explanation in mind, I now ask you the following questions. Are you in a sexual relationship with someone other than your spouse? Do you look at others lustfully and thereby commit adultery with them in your heart? Do you give yourself freely and selflessly to your spouse? Do you dishonor marriage by ridicule or by divorce? Do you engage in any form of sexual immorality by thought, word, or deed? Consider these questions in light of the sixth commandment. And yes, this law accuses you again and your need of God's forgiveness in Christ. The seventh commandment, Exodus 20, verse 15, you shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. With the seventh commandment and explanation in mind, I ask you, do you cheat or otherwise seek to get what you have not earned? Do you take care of what you have, pay what you owe, return what you borrow, and respect other people's property? Do you give generously, or are you selfish, stingy, and greedy with your time and money? Are you unfaithful to the responsibilities of your vocation? Consider these questions in light of the seventh commandment. You will find that the law accuses you and that you need God's grace in Christ Jesus. 
The Eighth Commandment from Exodus 20, verse 16, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest possible way. With the commandment and its explanation, I now ask you the following questions. Do you gossip, listen to rumors, or take pleasure in talking about the faults or mistakes of anyone? Do you defend others against false accusations? Do you judge others without the authority to do so? Do you speak the truth in love, trying at all times to explain everything in the best possible way? Meditate upon these questions and you will find that the Eighth Commandment also accuses you and that you are in need of forgiveness in Christ Jesus. The Ninth Commandment, Exodus 20, verse 17, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. With the ninth commandment and his explanation in mind, I ask you, are you content or discontent with what belongs to you? Do you crave something better, different, or more than what God has given you? Do you seek to satisfy the desires and appetites of your flesh at the expense of the well-being of others? Do you resent or envy those who have what you do not? Meditate upon these questions in light of the ninth commandment, and you will find once again the law is still accusing, and you need forgiveness in Christ. Finally, the 10th commandment, also Exodus 20, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. With the 10th commandment and its explanation in mind, I now ask you, are you content or discontent with the spouse, family, vocation, job, or employees that the Lord has given you? Have you done anything to break up a friendship or marriage? Have you encouraged someone to be unfaithful to spouse, family, vocation, job, or employees? Are you contentious? Or have you encouraged disharmony in your congregation or family or workplace? Are you manipulative or controlling? Have you done all you can to mend or strengthen broken relationships? Meditate upon these questions in light of the 10th commandment and you will find, once again, the law accuses you because the law always accuses. And perhaps we should add that the law always accuses because we are always sinful. And so we're always in need of of the forgiveness won for us by Christ Jesus on the cross. So that's a quick run-through 
of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 with a focus on the law as a mirror to show us our sin. It's not a pleasant task, but we need to hear of our sinfulness, our constant rebellion against God, because then, reflecting upon our need, we welcome the word of forgiveness in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, rejoice, my friends. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all your sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Rejoice. Although we are sinful, because we are sinful, Christ died for us. And his law accuses us so that we might delight that he forgives us, strengthens our faith, and gives us eternal life. All right, that's a quick look at the Ten Commandments as the mirror, as the accusing law. The Lord grants you every good gift, especially a tender, penitent heart as you reflect upon the commandments for yourself. Um, God grants you every good gift if you're teaching this to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.